I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. The ampersand. You know, the and symbol. Well, it might be my absolute favorite glyph. Ampersands are expressive, they're classic, they're abstract, and they've got a long history that dates back more than 2,000 years. I'm so committed to my love of ampersands that I even had one as a feature at my wedding. A three-foot-tall handmade ampersand paper pinata stood between my soon-to-be husband and I during our ceremony, and then it helped kick off the party after dinner when it hung from the rafters and I smashed it to smithereens spilling candy all over the dance floor. Interestingly, ampersands are ligatures. They are the combination of the two letters E and T. Now, they vary widely in their stylings. With some, it's easy to see the two letters, but with others, they're much more ornate and abstract, especially the true italics versions within many typefaces. Now, much like human genetics, the combined results of the two parents can produce vastly different-looking offspring. Author Simon Garfield of the masterpiece of a book called Just My Type, a book about fonts, describes ampersands this way. He says, Done well, an ampersand is not so much a character as a creature, an animal from the deep. So in other words, it's kind of like the unexpected, mythical, gangly kraken of the page. Release the ampersand. Furthermore, as author Keith Houston explains, the italic ampersand has become something of a playground for typographers, and many italic ampersands are intricately designed works of art when compared to their conformist Roman counterparts. There are very few characters that allow for so much personality and character. Well, maybe, okay, maybe the capital Q, maybe the capital R, maybe the capital S, but the ampersand provides an opportunity to move from following a formula to improvising in the recipe, as it were, from the science of type to the art of designing glyphs. For all of its prominence in our modern world, it's important to note that the ampersand has a legendary origin story, a symbol with no known creator that literally rose from the ashes and beat the odds to become one of the most beloved symbols in existence. Cue dramatic music. There lives an epic symbol who had the odds stacked against him. Born an orphan to the letters E and T, nothing more than a scribble on a wall in the ancient city of Pompeii. Almost lost forever under a layer of molten ash, the unlikely ligature was uncovered and adopted as a scrappy shorthand rising up to usurp the established Tyronean A with glitz and with glory. He would live on for hundreds of years, making an impression as blocks of movable type, making the shortlist for the typewriter keyboard, and then appearing on some of the highest valued real estate in the world, taking his mighty stance beside Tiffany 
and a permanent place in type history literally carved in stone. This is Ampersand. So that's the Coles Notes version of the Ampersand saga of rising to ubiquity. But what actually happened? How did the little symbol that could go from a scribble on a wall to billions of uses in documents big and small, young and old? Well, let's look at the Ampersand's ancient history. As detailed in Keith Houston's wonderful book that I reference often, Shady Characters, The Secret Life of Punctuation, Symbols, and Other Typographic Marks, the ampersand spent nearly 1,000 years coexisting with an opponent, the Tyronean A. Spelled E-T, that is. So let's start here. What is a Tyronean A? Who was Tyro? About 2,000 years ago, Tiro was born a slave of Cicero's household, as in the Marcus Tullius Cicero, Roman politician, philosopher, lawyer, public speaker, and all-around celebrity of the time. As an aside, the lorem ipsum filler text used by designers as a placeholder and as a stand-in for real text, um, well, it's actually a jumbled extract from Cicero's On the Ends of Good and Evil. Now, Tiro was a scribe who was very good at his job and who became Cicero's secretary, biographer, and confidant. So Cicero traveled to Greece one time and was impressed by their use of shorthand. So he tasked Tiro with creating a similar shorthand for the Latin language. One of the few symbols that stuck, of over 4,000, was Tiro's character representing the Latin word a, or and. The Tyronean A looks like a stylized subscript number seven. So just picture that for a second. It looks like a stylized subscript number seven, a little number seven. And as the years went on, the Tyronean A was popular in the Middle Ages in manuscripts with black letter script. Interestingly, part of the reason that the Tyronean shorthand system just didn't stand the test of time was the distrust of witchcraft and magic that was connected to the secrecy of shorthand writing. The Tyronean A continued to fall out of popularity and it virtually disappeared, except in one modern place. So where can this funny little elbow of a symbol be found in the world today? Just a quick hop across the pond to Ireland and you can go see the symbol in the wild. Go on a symbol safari to the wild. It's still used in the Irish Gaelic language, and it can be seen on street signs all over the country. And if you're wondering what happened to the talented enslaved Tiro, well, he continued with a successful career after Cicero's death. He actually made lots of money, was a freed slave, dubbed himself Marcus Tullius Tiro, bought a farm, and died peacefully at 100 years old. Awesome. And speaking of 100, the ampersand wouldn't be born for another 100 years after the Tyronean A was developed. And it was barely born at that. The ampersand was practically an orphan, nothing much more than graffiti on a wall scribbled by an anonymous artist in Pompeii around the year 79 AD. Let's have a look now at the ampersand's modern history. For many years, the ampersand was included in the alphabet. 
It was actually the 27th character, and school children were taught the symbol as part of learning the alphabet. According to an article in Medium, ampersand was the only letter of the English alphabet that did not represent a sound. And this is actually pretty profound because that's what an alphabet is. Letters are symbols that represent spoken sound. At one time, the alphabet itself was truly a novel invention, and what it enabled was individuals to communicate spoken sound in a whole new way that would stand the test of time. It was a communication method that could outlive a person's physical existence on Earth. So for thousands and thousands of years before the first alphabet was developed, complex communication, meaning more than simple pictograms or ideograms carved into a wall, was delivered by voice from one person to another. The alphabet meant that speech could be spoken, coded using symbols of the alphabet, and then decoded back into spoken sound at a later time by someone completely different in a completely different place in a completely different time. So with this understanding, it's actually quite meaningful that the ampersand did not represent a spoken sound. Let's get back to the way in which the ampersand was incorporated into the alphabet. After X, Y, Z, or Z for our American counterparts, came A per se and. So the spelling is E-T comma P-E-R space S-E space A-N-D. It would have been confusing for kids to say X, Y, Z and and what? So they were taught to say A, E-T, Latin for and, and then per se and, meaning and by itself, clarifying that it was referring to and as in the symbol, the 27th character of the alphabet, and not a link between the alphabet and something that would come after it. A per se and morphed into and per se and, which then morphed into the word ampersand. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary states that its first use of the word was in 1795, and by the year 1837, which was less than 200 years ago, the term ampersand was immortalized in the English dictionary. So unlike the mysterious naming origins of phalloglyphs, like the octothorpe, the ampersand's nomenclature is fairly straightforward. It's a conflation of a per se and, and according to Grammar Girl, the word ampersand is referred to as a mondegreen, and that's spelled M-O-N-D-E-G-R-E-E-N, mondegreen. And a mondegreen is a word that's name comes from a mishearing or a misunderstanding. So when you sing along the wrong lyrics to a song because they sound like something else, that's a mondegreen. And a mondegreen is a mondegreen itself, coined by writer Sylvia Wright, who misheard a line from a 17th century Scottish ballad. She heard Lady Mondegreen instead of and laid him on the green, and decided to name this phenomenon after said fictional Lady Mondegreen. Looping back to the ABCs, if you're like me, you're probably wondering how ampersand was integrated into the ABC song as we know it today. XYZ ampersand? Huh? Well, said simply, it wasn't. The ABC song as we know it today was adapted from a song called The Schoolmaster, copyrighted in 1834. Before this, kids would often learn the alphabet using a rhyme called Apple Pie ABC. 
and parts of this rhyme appeared in religious texts as early as 1671, appearing in its entirety in about 1742. And it goes something like this. A was an apple pie. B bit it. C cut it. D dealt it. E eat it. F fought for it. G got it. H had it. J joined it. K kept it. L longed for it. M mourned for it. N nodded at it. O opened it. P peeped in it. Q quartered it. R ran for it. S stole it. T took it. V viewed it. W wanted it. X, Y, Z, and ampersand all wished for a piece in hand. Because the ampersand came at the end of the alphabet, the 27th character, by around the 1880s, the ampersand had actually become slang for a posterior or rear end. I like big ampersands, and I cannot lie. You may have also noticed that the letters I and U were missing from apple pie ABC. Now, these were added later, and I was inspected it, and you upset it. Additionally, it's important to clarify that not every book about the English language included the ampersand as the 27th character. Many did, but others just didn't. So this non-standardized inclusion kind of helps explain why the ampersand just kind of disappeared from the alphabet without much of a trace in the late 1800s and early 1900s. We've taken a look at the ampersand's ancient history as well as its more modern history. Let's have a look now at the ampersand's use. While the use of the ampersand symbol is generally frowned upon in formal or even semi-formal writing in the English language, it has its place in modern writing. Ampersands are used to link items in lists and are commonly used in the academic world to cite references. It's also often used in the world of blogging and social media, where there are fewer rules to follow. But... Ampersands aren't recognized in hashtags or in URLs. Ampersands are also commonly used decoratively alongside display type in headlines in both large and small publications. Another interesting link to ampersands is the term etc. and more specifically the abbreviation ETC. Now it's commonly used in writing that's both casual and formal. But did you know that the short form for etc, etc, can also be denoted using the ampersand? Hmm, that's right. Et in etc means and, and the c for cetera means the rest. And it can also be denoted as an ampersand with a c on the end. So quite literally, an ampersand with then a c right beside it and a period. So a short form for a short form, the inception for symbols. In researching this podcast episode and learning about how ampersands are used today, I also learned something absolutely fascinating that was completely new to me. I learned that when you see the credits roll at the end of a film, writers who collaborated more closely together on a project will have an ampersand between their names versus those with the word and. 
So for example, if two writers have an ampersand between their names, it means they actively collaborated and wrote the piece together. Whereas two writers with an and between their names, this implies that one writer was involved in rewriting parts of the other writer's work. Hmm, who knew? In a publicity stunt for their 100th birthday celebration, A&W Restaurants created a video and started a change.org petition to restore the ampersand as the 27th letter of the alphabet. So this is what the petitions page said. Ever tried to use an ampersand in a hashtag or a URL? It doesn't work. We think that's pretty lame. After all, the ampersand was actually part of the alphabet at one time. So as we celebrate our 100th birthday in 2019, we at a Restaurants are only asking for one thing. Bring back the ampersand. It's utilized by thousands of brands, organizations, bands, films, and publications. It's a useful, universal symbol of bringing things together. But then it mysteriously and inexplicably disappeared from the alphabet. In this digital world, its exclusion has made all of our lives a little harder. Think about it. A and W.com? It's clunky and ugly. The Twitter handle A and W restaurants looks ridiculous. Hashtag and W is read by computers as just one lonely hashtag A. Sometimes using an ampersand just makes a lot more sense. Although clever, I'm not sure how much sense it would make to actually restore the ampersand to the alphabet. The petition is appealing to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, but the symbol's got the odds stacked against it because it doesn't even symbolize a sound after all. The petition is aiming for 10,000 signatures, and in two years, they're only at 78% of the way there. Yikes, that cannot be a good thing. Although A&W's campaign is cute, I think it's little more than that cute. But here's some really, truly great change that's happened because of the ampersand. There's a really cool group of type designers and type lovers with an even cooler name. The Society of Typographic Aficionados, or SOTA, S-O-T-A. From time to time, they will create amazing new type for a good cause, and they call it Font Aid. In 2010, Soda released Coming Together to support Doctors Without Borders and the Haiti earthquake disaster. The symbolism in the ampersands is the unity and solidarity in helping one another through disaster relief. Here are some key facts about the typeface. So the font file contains 483 different ampersands. Nearly 400 designers from 37 countries contributed. It's an open type font format, and it costs around $20 US to purchase. After all, coming together is what the ampersand is built to do. Now you have a better understanding of what an underdog the ampersand was, and at least part of the story, as to how it rose to fame today. What was once a scribble of graffiti, almost lost forever under a layer of ash, the symbol that lived, has entrenched itself into modern popular culture in so many ways. 
I know the ampersand's roots are in Pompeii, but I think that it's in some way connected to Canada. I mean, speaking as a Canadian, any symbol that represents A has to be ours, right? But the ampersand is more than simply an abbreviation. It links type back to its origins of writing with a quill, reminding us of its history every time we hit shift and number seven. And there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.